You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you today. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Do you get the feeling that uh, things are unraveling around you? I think that we've felt that for a while. And, you know, I think was we look at the news and we look at the conflict that is happening in the court cases and accusations against our leaders and other things, it does seem like things are unraveling. It also seems like we kind of don't get it. I mean, as a culture, I get it as a Christian. As a Christian, you and I, if you're a believer, we should understand this, that the culture is going to unravel whenever we decide that we're going to focus on the present and not look forward to what is wisdom and to not look behind us to understand uh, the wisdom that we can get from the past. It's to take a look, you know, that we are focusing in our culture today at the present, which makes us focus on ourselves. What makes me feel good now? What is it that would benefit me now? What makes me feel safe now? And when we think about that, it ignores the fact that what's making me safe now or what makes me feel good now might hurt me later. And you can extrapolate that in a whole lot of different directions. And there's a lot to say about the politics of the day and the the new Donald Trump indictment and stuff. Um, one angle, one thing to think about, I always think about this, and I encourage you to think about it whenever there's politics going on and you're on one side or the other, and both sides have to think about this, is that decisions that get made now, the way we handle things now, does affect the way things get handled in the future. Meaning that if your side wants to make big changes to something, the way we govern or something like that, and wants to do it in a way that doesn't involve a lot of debate, doesn't involve a lot of conversation, doesn't involve a genuine search for wisdom on what is right, then you're creating something that if you're successful, the next, the other side, whenever they get into power, might do it. Um, For example, one of the issues today is, you know, President Biden wanted to pay off student loans, right? He wanted to have the authority to spend about a half of, you know, what, it was billions of dollars uh, to pay off people's student loans. And most people, including Nancy Pelosi and other people said, including the president said, I don't have the authority to do that. Then he did it anyway. And then the Supreme said, no, you don't have the authority to do it. Congress can do it. And, but it's, it's in the realm of Congress, One of the reasons that's important and to think about, so if you're on the side that says, no, I think President Biden should have had the right to do that. I know he's got another proposal out and it's sort of attaching it to another possibility. Uh, That may not work either. I don't think it's as clear as the first one. But um, regardless, if you're giving, if you want to give this president a certain amount of power, or let's say if you are, you want to go back to Donald Trump or maybe the next Donald Trump administration, if there is one, you know, whatever you're doing now, you're going to give the next president that power. Do you understand? Like, if you're going to let Joe Biden uh, spend half a half a trillion dollars on his own just because he wants to do something for one group of people for whatever the reason is, then you're also going to allow the next president to do that, maybe to do something that you don't particularly like. That's why we limit the powers of the different branches. That's why we have a system of checks and balances. 
Uh, another one is that the last few presidents, Biden, Trump, and Obama, and a little bit George W. Bush, but mostly the last three, have governed very significantly by executive order. And it's gotten absurd in the more recent days. But, you know, something that has happened with that is that when we are allowing our presidents to rule by fiat and they can just say executive order, this is going to happen. The thing is, is that you're allowing the next president to do the same thing. And you're allowing the next president to reverse what the last president did by the stroke of a pen. And it's not rooted into the system. Donald Trump reversed almost everything that Barack Obama did as president legislatively, a lot of at least the major accomplishments, except for one thing. He didn't reverse uh, Obamacare, ultimately. He wanted to, but he didn't. I think they eventually, the Congress eventually worked to get rid of the uh, stipulation that forces you to pay for it and a few things, and, and essentially they changed it. But the reason that Donald Trump got rid of a whole bunch of other stuff, but he couldn't get rid of that, is because Obamacare actually went through the Congress and it went through the Supreme Court and it was upheld. And so in order for it to be taken away, the Congress has to make that decision, not the president. Uh, president Trump was able to overturn several things that Barack Obama did, and President Biden was able to overturn several things President Trump did by the stroke of a pen, because instead of going through Congress, instead of going through the path that allows for debate, allows for conversation, they just did it anyway. And then Congress didn't object, which I think is a huge problem with Congress, and both parties have that problem. I'm thinking about that kind of thing, because when I look at these cases that are happening now, particularly the Donald Trump case, we may get into that a little bit more in some detail later on today, next hour. But something that I think we need to think about as we consider these things is the future. If we're going to say that a president can be held accountable in the court system for decisions he made as president that were based upon beliefs he had, even if those beliefs are wrong, even if he ignored evidence or ignored facts to come to the conclusion of those beliefs, uh, then we're going to be in a situation where the next president will be held accountable for something similar by the other party next time that it switches parties. You know, for example, uh, you know, do we think that in 2028, the whoever the president, is, let's say a Republican wins, and they're running against for 2028 Gavin Newsom, does and that let's say that that president that republican president that republican department of justice says you know what uh gavin newsom has lied to the people of california i take offense at our policies and strategies they say that gavin newsom told the state of california that they need to shut down when his data and follow the science he knew that wasn't true and he pursued plans for homelessness for 12 years, starting when he was the mayor of San Francisco, that were immediately known as a disaster. And yet, even knowing that they were a disaster, he inflicted much pain and suffering on the people of California. And president and presidential candidate Newsom uh, decided that even though he knew that plans for crime were bad, that was going to encourage more crime. He continued policies that would increase crime in California, and therefore we should prosecute him uh, because he's going against the rights of the American people. See, the problem embedded in there is that you're prosecuting him or saying that because he believed, you're saying that he believed something that you can't even prove he believed. 
You're not allowing him to be wrong. You're not allowing him to make decisions that uh, he thought were right, even if they're wrong. You're ascribing, you know, criminal guilt to things that are maybe political guilt or ethical guilt or moral guilt or other kinds of guilt. And I think part of one of the things that we've got to be thinking carefully about, and I've been saying this, and I know that maybe it hasn't been as clear to some people. I want that these cases, the Trump stuff, also the Biden stuff with his son and other things, I'm praying that what ultimately comes out of this is some clarity for the American people. And what I mean by clarity is that most people will agree on what's true and what's false, regardless of who it is that they vote for. You understand what I mean by that? So you have a strong opinion maybe one way or the other about the Trump indictment or the information that's coming out about President Biden and his relationship with his son and the businesses in Ukraine and stuff. Those things are all, they're all serious what's being accused. But as long as we just go to our corners and Republicans go one way and Democrats go the other way and we support our guy, whoever, or our gal, if that's the case, whatever the case may be, then we are not in a position where we're going to build the country for the future. We are, unfortunately, and this is what I think is happening in our culture that's unraveling, is we are getting to a place where we just assume that the other side is bad and they need to be eliminated or destroyed. That rather than trying to be persuasive, and this is a big thing for me, Big thing for me, I think it's something that for Christians we need to be thinking about. Persuasion is something that should be the goal. The goal should be that we work hard with wisdom and intellect that God gives us, discernment that we have to determine what is true and lead people to also accept what is true. And to do that, it takes some work. It takes some humility because sometimes I believe something in my heart that turns out to be untrue, or I believe something that I heard from a trusted person, and then it turns out to be untrue. Or sometimes what happens is, is I believe something in my heart to be true, and the evidence says it is true, and it in fact is true, but because of political pressure or social pressure, maybe you know we hedge on that stuff. We can't do that if we want to be persuasive towards the truth. I believe that as Christians, we are given the truth ultimately of what the world is about and what's happening. So therefore, we shouldn't be surprised at all uh, about the chaos that's happening in our own country. This is the direction that chaos or that countries go. They unravel, and they unravel at a point where we start to worry about our present time. And that's the point I'm making about when we think about what happens to Trump or what happens to Biden. These are present time characters. But as much as you might not like one of those two guys or both of them or whatever, you have to think about the next president the next leader, or even yourself, or the citizenry? What kinds of precedents are we setting when we prosecute people or when we make decisions about policy that seem to fit now, that might make us comfortable now, that might make us happy now, that in the future are going to cause us all kinds of problems because we didn't think about it? And this is something that happens when we get to into things called presentism or safetyism, which is we're just looking at ourselves. We are people who are want the world to be in a certain way. We have an optimistic view of what the world ought to be like, but rather than wisely trying to get there, we unwisely 
um, don't do the work to get there. An example is, you know, Marxism, and I, I believe that a lot of what we're dealing with with uh, the gender issues and the critical theory and other stuff, when you get into it academically, it is Marxism. And it's stated as such, okay, that the people who are pushing that and writing that, they say, no, no, I have a Marxist goal. I've been trained in Marxism. You can find that there. And the thing is about Marxism, the reason it's attractive to people, because you might say, well, how can that even be attractive? It's a question I have. Somebody came in to the studio actually recently and who was somebody who um, her family fled Soviet communism. Her family and friends and people close to her suffered greatly under the rule of the Soviet Union and communism. Often you hear of people who are still alive today who were in concentration camps, Nazi concentration camps. You get their testimony about what happened to them. And what's remarkable is that sometimes we don't listen to that. Or what we say is, particularly with Marxism, you know, fascism is something that most people don't understand. And there's really not anybody who's really a fan of that. Uh, there's not any countries that are successful with that. It's it's sort of a it's a funny thing that I think people use that term all the time and they usually don't know what it means. Marxism is sometimes used that way as well. But there's the reason you hear more about Marxism, the reason there's more college professors who promote that, the reason that there have been, you know, the Red Scare and the reason there have been revolutions in China and other places and Chile and Nicaragua and other places, Cuba, it's because there's something that is attractive about Marxism and that it's this utopia where there is not economic disparity, where everybody gets along, where everybody is building up the nation with each other. And it sounds great. It sounds like, hey, this is something as humans that we should do. But what you miss with that and what's missed by people who are Marxists is that in order to get there, in order to get to this utopia, if it's possible, and it's not possible because it, the, the whole philosophy rejects who we are as human beings. It rejects, number one, that there is a God at all. Then it rejects the family. It rejects the uniqueness and the specialness of human beings over other creatures. There's a whole lot of things that are true about us. It rejects men and women. It rejects, you know, all the stuff that we're dealing with. The reason it's Marxism is because to get there, you have to undo the foundations that we believe have made societies healthy and safety, such as the family, such as freedom of speech, such as uh, freedom of association, different things like that. You have to undo all of that because you've got to get everybody on the same page where what we're doing is as individuals – we are building each other up, and nobody will be poor. Nobody will be overly rich. Um, we will somehow share power. And the drive for some people is this utopian idea that's optimistic, ultimately. And, and being optimistic is attractive. You can be optimistic in the wrong direction. Okay, That's what Marxism is. It requires, though, a complete undoing of society. It requires the reason that you have the purges in the Soviet Union where Stalin killed 20 million people, his own people, the, region, the reason that you had all the murders in, uh, in the Chinese Revolution in Mao, who probably is the biggest mass murderer ever, actually, is because rather than trying to be persuasive, rather than trying to win people over to your philosophy, rather than trying to work with people, you just kill them. You just send them to Siberia in a prison where they will die. Or you take them out of the cities and you send them out to the farms where they work to death and they starve. And you do something to try to push forward 
ideas, such as the gender ideas we have today, that are on the surface. They're self-evidently wrong. It's self-evidently true that there are men and women and that men can't have babies. Everybody knows that. And yet you keep pushing it because the goal isn't to make men have babies. You can't. I mean, I know that there's science, you know, where they're trying to, you know, I guess they can put a uh, uterus in me and then I can go around and be pregnant and get some kind of benefits, I guess. Uh, I'm not doing that. Um, but everybody, even if even if we did that so in medicine, it still wouldn't be real. Everybody knows that it's it required surgery to get there. That means it's not real. That means it's something that has been, you know, pushed on people. The idea that of some kind of utopia, the idea of worrying about our present safety. Remember a while ago in schools, you know, you had these safety zones and these safe spaces for people who don't want to hear. There's something that's happened in our university system now for a while. If you're wondering how we got here, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're wondering how we got here, part of it is that we have decided we don't want to listen to opinions that don't match ours, and we've decided that those opinions are bad and that those people should be removed, removed from the conversation. You know, that's the cancel culture removed from uh, any sort of intellectual process. And it's the belief that we can create a new order. I know that word gets thrown around in, you know, conspiracy circles and stuff, but it also gets thrown around in actual conversation. That's what kind of fuels that kind of stuff, right? New world order. Remember when George Herbert Walker Bush, after the Berlin fell down, Berlin Wall fell in 1990-91, that era. Communism fell. We won. We won the Cold War. Communism fell. And it fell because it's a disaster. It's a horrific, a horrific idea. It doesn't, it didn't even last a century and it was murderous the whole way, by the way. This is why it's shocking. That's why the person who came to the studio to talk to me was surprised about somebody who's a full-blown communist. And why would you do that? And yeah, the answer is you don't know history because it's a murderous philosophy, ultimately. Because in order to convince people that there's no God, that there's no man and woman, that we have to all work for the state, that the state is the highest of all authorities, you're probably going to have to kill people because human beings don't agree with that. And that ultimately is what happens. The reason that we are seeing so much unraveling is that we're worried about our safety today. We're worried about how I'm going to feel today. We're worried about can I be in a position today that feels good and it doesn't feel good to have somebody disagree with me. It doesn't feel good to lose elections. It doesn't feel good to uh, have my person not win or my point of view challenged somehow. And we don't want to persuade. We don't want to win people over. Uh, This is the idea. A new order. Oh, what I was saying is that George Bush, uh, you know, he said in the State of the Union address, first President Bush, he said, and what's on the horizon? A new world order. He said it. And everyone's like, new world order? And people used to think that George Bush was part of this uh, organization. It used to be called the Trilateral Commission and that he was you know, running all of that. It was kind of a funny thing. Uh, you know, it might have been what, uh, what the World Economic Forum is, which is you know, a non-governmental body spewing all these things that they think ought to happen. But it's unelected people. You know, we used to have a better sense of we're not going to give our sovereignty of national decisions to the United Nations. Uh, today, yes, the United Nations on that list, but in the World Economic Forum probably gets more attention than it deserves, but it's there. And then you have the WHO, the World Health Organization, hugely responsible. How much of that, how much of our sovereignty over healthcare are we going to give to those groups, right? Uh, New world order is required for safety is what some people think. 
that you just have to change what everybody's thinking is. And the order of the family, the order of the church, the order of democracy, the order of whatever it is, you got to reject all of that uh, in order to make yourself uh, feel saved. And it doesn't work. And it requires what's called chronological snobbery or chronological bigotry. And it says the people who lived in the past were stupid, uh, but were smart. So those communists who screwed it up in all those countries, they just didn't do it right. We're doing that now when we keep giving money to the same programs for homelessness or drug use or other things that don't work. It's just very clear it doesn't work. But we just, instead of saying, uh, we're doing it wrong, we need to change the philosophy, what we say is we're just going to throw more money at it. The reason it's not working is not because it's wrong, it's because we haven't paid for it. The presentism in that thinking becomes deadly And as Americans, I think when we look at what's happening in the unraveling of our world, and as Christians, when we look at this, we need to get back to a place where we can engage in persuasive discussion. Because as Christians, and this really is my point, as Christians, we're called to persuade people about the kingdom of God, that human beings are made in the image of God, that we have a creator who is the king of the universe, who rules, that there will be judgment one day that all of the injustice that we have, we need to fight on this in this world to make sure there is justice, but we also need to accept and understand that there will be injustice until Jesus returns and becomes the king and instills a government, which, by the way, is a kingdom. It's not communism. It's always somebody out there who says, oh, kingdom of God is communism. There's no place where Jesus tells you to give your money to a central government and let them redistribute it. Never happens. Uh, it's, it is imperative that we become a people, that we maintain being a people as Christians where we are persuasive, that we want to win people over, that it's not about defeating some other philosophy as much as it's about uh, or defeating that person. We defeat the philosophy by persuading the people who hold those philosophies that they are wrong. We have this power as Christians. Part of evangelism is persuading people that there is a, a world order that is the kingdom of God. And that everyone who believes in Christ, that he lived a perfect life that you can't live, that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, that thing that you carry around, your spiritual angst, your your guilt, whatever it is, striving you spiritually, that Jesus took care of that. When we're persuasive in this, it changes the world to a better place, and it brings people along, and it should take people away from the destructive tendencies of just being safe because we're thinking about the future. Can I encourage you to think about the future of the people you know who might disagree with you about the politics or about whatever the subject might be, that the future is they're going to be in heaven or hell, that individual, and we want them in heaven. The future is we want them to be a part of the family. And Jesus has given us his spirit to help us with that, and we have the word of God to give us the reality of the world we're in. I'm saying all this because when I look at all the chaos and all the different things and the legal stuff, and we got to talk about it and kind of go through it, we want to look at these things from a perspective that we want to persuade, not just defeat. We defeat philosophies, we persuade people. And that's what we want to do. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888 uh, What's our number? I'm just blanking on it. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. You can call and join the conversation. i got to take a break. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. 
you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Over the past few years, the American economy has seen an historic recovery from the depths of the pandemic downturn. Over 13 million new jobs have been created since January 2021. Our unemployment rate stands at 3.6% near historic lows. Overall annual inflation has declined every month for the past year, and our economy continues to grow. In the longer term, the United States remains the world's largest, most dynamic, and most innovative economy with the strongest financial system in the world. Fitch's decision is puzzling in light of the economic strength we see in the United States. I strongly disagree with Fitch's decision, and I believe it is entirely unwarranted. That Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who is uh, bemoaning that uh, uh, Fitch, and I know this gets into technical things uh, financially, but lowered the U.S. long-term rating to AA plus from its top mark of AAA. The downgrade is the second one in American history. And uh, basically they're saying, you know what, the, uh, the United States government, still trustworthy, still great, but you know what, not as much as it used to be uh, when you invest in it. And the idea is, and what they said is, because of the growing national debt, because of the typical, uh, the more and more often debt limit standoffs and, you know, waiting around to uh, really manage the government, uh, you know, it's not looking quite as good. You know, $32 trillion debt. I don't think anybody should be surprised at this. Uh, $32 trillion is over 40. If you spent $40 million a day over that, $40 million a day since the birth of Christ, you will still not have spent our national debt. This is the unraveling of our society. It's part, and the the surprise about it is what amazes me, that why should we be surprised when we have so much debt? I remember having so much credit card debt that I actually got a letter from one of the credit card companies canceling my card. They didn't cancel my debt, but they said, you can no longer use our card. We don't trust you to even be uh, good enough to pay it back, so we're stopping it. That was a low point for me. It surprised me because I thought they would want me to keep doing it since I kept paying them tons and tons of interest. But uh, no, my credit rating was downgraded so much that they said, you know what? You can't use our card. We don't want to make any more money off of you. That's what they said. Uh, That surprised me. We have to deal with reality. And uh, the realities that we are uh, facing mean we've got to have wisdom for the future. And we need to look to to see what what worked before. 888-528-2557. Uh, Joe and Camarillo, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hello, Pastor Scott. I spoke with you a couple of days ago, and I'm a little calmer than I was then. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 uh, uh, wow. You know, I, I'm, I hold people that have positions of power a little more accountable. Uh, this both sidesism really kind of bothers me because it lets people that aren't really informed or choose not to be informed to say that, oh, their ideas are okay. And, and and the last uh, did you, uh, bit you did was it covered a wide range, you know, from Marxism to professors to killing families. So it, it's hard to address all at once. But you just said something about we need to look at the past and find out what worked. Well, 
I'm not proposing this, but do you know what the top tax rate was up until 1961 for the top 1%? Yeah, it was super high, like 90% or something, right? Or 80%? 91%. Yeah, super high. In the 50s, do you know what the average uh, uh, CEO made in relation to his average employees? Yep, it was about... 14 times. Yeah. 14 times. Now it's golden parachutes up the gum stump. Yeah. Uh, we We have a Congress now... Whether you like it or not, following the rules that have been firmly established, when Mary Garland was brought before the Supreme Court, the Republican Congress stopped doing their job. Okay, so there's and, and then well, we they decided not to uh, not to confirm him um, at the end of Obama's term. A year left, and what happened with Amy Comey Barrett and Kavanaugh and and, and these other people? So, right, you know to say, to say that. Uh, you know, well, me, I, I just really feel alienated. Here's my okay. here's the point that I'm making, and I think you're kind of making it with me, though, is that in my question B is why have these changes happened? See, this this kind of thing is happening, uh, and there's a lot of politics, you know, in it. But we are it's the presentism that we're thinking about what works for us today and not considering what might work in the future. You know, so for example, with the CEOs. You know, there was no law saying that a CEO couldn't make more than 14 or 15 times what the the lowest employee made, right? It's just that the culture wouldn't have put up with it. Uh, for, but for but today the, the culture that today the culture does put up with it. Why is that? Because there's nothing we can do. There's absolutely nothing we can do. See, I don't you believe know, that. I I think because there's no law that's changed, right? We we did it before. There's there's no laws that have changed. Why in the culture the culture has changed? Why has That's the culture fact. changed? We have four million NRA members. No, it's not the NRA. It's not the NRA. This has nothing to do no, with no, guns. No, 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 this no, 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 this no, no, isn't even Republicans and Democrats. I want to talk about what you brought up about because I think you make a, the right point here about how it used to be that a CEO, if a CEO was making a hundred times more than the janitor then the, the whole culture would have frowned on that, and they would say, that guy is a jerk. Uh, today, we, we, I don't know if we celebrate it, but today that happens all the time. I don't see, yeah, I think well, in the old days you wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Well, so I'm, what changed? I'm, I'm, That's what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think we've, we've downgraded ourselves on so many levels, it's just not even funny. Yeah. All right. For, there was a recent vote on... Uh, Lowering the cost of um, insulin for seniors uh-huh. to thirty-five dollars. One side did not, not one single vote from one side. Okay, not one single vote. So there's people that are, you know. But do you think I, I do you think they did this because there was something else attached to that vote? I don't know specifically what might that might have been, but that's often the game that both parties play today is they say, uh, let's lower the cost of prescription drugs. Oh, and by the way, if you vote for this, you're also going to send, uh, you know, billions of dollars to our favorite special interest. And so yeah, the, so yeah. one side has to vote no, and then the other side says, well, you hate seniors and people with diabetes, and that's the game I, that's I'll being played. I'll research that, sir, and call you back. I'll research that yeah, and call yeah, you back. Yeah, check that out. There's, there's a reason. So what, what I'm saying is when people vote against stuff like that, it's not that they don't want to lower the cost. There's a reason. And it's usually something attached to the the bill. Okay, usually. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll give you that. 
I'll give you that, usually. Yeah, so but, Joe, what do we do about that? Because that kind of thing shouldn't happen, right? We should be, it's outrageous what we pay for prescription drugs in our country. And yet there's arguments about big pharma, and there's a lot of reasons. And certainly the, the lobbyists, you know, they probably own both parties to a certain degree. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And believe me, how do we get past that? I'm not sure. All, all we can do is vote for what we believe in. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, and go from yeah. there. All right, but hey, I, hey, I, Joe, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. I appreciate you calling. Look that up, and uh, you know, let's talk about those kinds of things. You know, because I think that part of what Joe is bringing up, and I appreciate your call, is that there are things going on that are are politics that, in some way, we should be aware of. Right, that this happens. That the the politic today with that is. You know, uh, we're going to pass. Well, I'll give you a recent example. The recent example is the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay, the Inflation Reduction Act. Inflation last summer was nine percent, three percent now. So much better, but it's still too high, right? We have paid outrageous amount of inflation. So, with the government said, well, we need to respond to this. Let's have the Inflation Reduction Act. But it wasn't the Inflation Reduction Act. No Republicans voted for that. Why did zero Republicans vote for the Inflation Reduction Act? The answer is because it's not the Inflation Reduction Act. It was the Climate Change Act. It was a climate change bill. It had nothing to do with lowering the uh, inflation rate. In fact, depending on what kind of uh, economics you believe in, most econom- economists think that it raised inflation because it just spent a lot more money that we don't have. And it's that kind of thing. If you say, do, do Republicans not want to lower the uh, the inflation rate? Well, of course they did if it's about that, but they don't want to they didn't want to vote for the climate change stuff. That's that's the reason that there's that divide. And it happens the other way too. Is Democrats are just better at it. We this is the Protect Children Act and we're going to uh we're going to make sure that children have school lunches and they're taken care of and we're going to pay for their shoes, we're going to pay for their clothes, we're going to pay for everything that a child needs. And uh, why would you not vote for that? Well, maybe because we're going to attach to it, you know, $17 billion, you know, to some organization that is, uh, you know, uh, to the World Economic Forum. Right. And so that's the reason. And that's what sides do is things get attached to bills that forces one side or the other to vote no. And then the other side says, well, you hate kids. You you want the American people to suffer through, you know, that's that's the game. See, the unraveling of our society, I think, is not that political game. It's that we put up with it. See, I think the unraveling in our society today is that kind of thing happens more often because we don't pay attention or we don't care. Because as long as I'm getting my check or as long as I'm comfortable now, don't worry about the grandkids. You know, I want to be comfortable now. $32 trillion of debt. Let's keep Let's keep spending money we don't have, even though our country gets downgraded and then the Treasury Secretary wonders why in the world that happened. I got to take a break. The number is 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Talk a little bit about the need for wisdom going forward as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. 888-528-2557. You know, wisdom is always something that we should be looking for. It comes from the Lord. It is Wisdom is something that helps us navigate the world the way it actually is. 
And, you know, when we turn on the TV, we see the unraveling of our culture in so many different ways. And that unraveling is because of a lack of truth. That unraveling is happening because people are focused on themselves today. So we talked about the national debt, for example, a moment ago. And, you know, why is the debt so high? You know why it's so high, actually? You know why it's out of control? Why we're getting downgraded in our economic uh, forecast for investment, things like that? It's because we're afraid to make decisions that will help us in the future because it might be a little bit painful today. You know, if we balance the budget, it wasn't long ago. It was 25 years ago that as a nation, Republicans and Democrats together, Republican Congress and Democrat president actually balanced the budget. They did it. And, you know, it was a different time because the budget deficits weren't nearly as high as they are now. A lot easier to shave, you know, 50 or 60 billion dollars off the budget than uh, 1.6 trillion dollars off the federal budget. See, the reason it's out of control is because today uh, it's so out of control that to change it means massive cuts to social programs and things that will feel. Uh, we'll feel it now, but we just keep making it worse. And your kids and grandkids are going to feel it. I worry about this with my kids all the time. I worry that. They are, in a way, I'm not worried because I think that that generation might solve it. You know, I think that there is a generation coming, unless this is the end of our country, unless this is the the end of time and Jesus is going to return, which it could be. But unless that's, if that's not the case, it's going to be, uh, and God's, you know, it's going to be God's timing and why Jesus doesn't return right away, but it's, Otherwise, just economically speaking, it's going to be because we have a generation of people who wants to be responsible and wise all of a sudden, who starts to think of others, not just themselves. And that's the problem today is that, you know, our elected officials know what needs to be done, but to do it probably means they don't get reelected or to do it means they're going to have to have a very successful uh, promotional campaign to tell the American people why we're cutting so much out of the budget and how this is going to hurt for a while, but be able to say it's going to hurt in the short term, but in the long term, it's going to make us better. In the long term, it's going to make us stronger. Um, <clears throat> in next hour, we'll talk a little bit about where we go from here and talk a little bit about the indictment, but uh, I got some ideas. I want to hear from you about you know moving forward, regardless of how all these things turn out, we can't be in a situation where we're prosecuting political leaders and where every president's going to get impeached or where there's always going to be hearings about impeachment. You know, we can't keep going down the road where we just attack everybody all the time. So how do we, how do we get out of that? We'll talk about that. Wisdom is part of it. See, as a citizen of heaven, God calls us to be wise. We're citizens of the United States. Most of you, although I talked to somebody the other day who uh, listens in, uh, in Europe, so, hey, you're probably listening on the podcast, but uh, thanks for listening. Um, as citizens of heaven, which is where our citizenship is, God calls us to be wise. He calls us to seek wisdom. Part of that wisdom is to realize that our world is broken, you know, that, you know, and it's always been broken, right? It's bad now, and it seems like it's the worst in, in my lifetime, I would say, you know, as far as uncertainty goes, as far as, you know, maybe where we're headed, but Honestly, the world has always been broken. That's why you've got, you know, your books in the Bible that talk about a broken world. The book of Proverbs that talks about wisdom, it's talking about wisdom because the world is broken, because the world is not fair, because there are things that are just not going to work. 
uh, and it really matters. You know, for example, Proverbs will tell you if you work hard and you, you will do well in life, and if you're lazy, you won't. Generally, that's true. Generally speaking, if you work hard, you're going to be successful in life. You're going to pay the bills. You're going to have a place to live. You know, you're going to have your ups and downs, but life will be, go fine. But if you're lazy, you won't, right? Generally, that's true. But the Proverbs also explain that sometimes that doesn't occur. Sometimes the wicked prosper. Sometimes the lazy get, you know, they win the billion-dollar lottery for some reason. Uh, They usually don't know what to do with it, and they just spend it all, and they're broken a couple of years. Sometimes the righteous suffers. That's because we're in a broken, unraveled world. There's poverty, there's hunger, there's sickness, there's injustice, there's hopelessness. Wisdom leads us to change that. Wisdom the proverb says, blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare to her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. See, if you want to live a blessed life, if you want to live a life where, you know, you can't avoid the, the pitfalls that are going along, but if you want to live a blessed life, Seek wisdom more than anything else. And our problem deep down as a country is we're seeking safety or we're seeking wealth or we're seeking some kind of comfort. We're seeking to live in a bubble where no one can tell us that we're wrong. We want to do whatever we want to because it seems like I should have a right to do that. All of that is foolishness. And it's why we're in the place we're in. It just is. See, wisdom... Bible tells us this, that her ways are pleasant ways, and all of her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding her, uh, by understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. You know, Proverbs, uh, this is Proverbs 3, by the way. My son, uh, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be a life for you, an ornament to to grace your neck. Our last section, uh, Joe, our caller, you know, he mentioned a bunch of stuff. But one of the things he talked about was that CEOs used to not make so much more than their lowest employee. He's right about that. I think uh, his number, I think, was 14 times what the the lowest paid employee of the company would make. The reason that's different, here's the reason. I asked him why that changed. I'm going to tell you why it changed. There's no laws governing that. There's probably math that is saying to companies today, you can pay your CEOs hundreds, you know, $100 million or $50 million or however many millions they might be making. What has changed is this. Company, we used to build companies not just to make a profit. They're always about making a profit. But we also built companies to also build our town, meaning that you would start a company and for sure you are ambitious, you want to make a good life, you hope to get rich maybe when you start your company and you go to work for that company and you hope to get promoted, you hope to make more money, you hope that you sell a great product, right? But you also had another desire and it was to provide jobs and a way of living for people who lived in your community. That part of the reason you started a business wasn't just for yourself, wasn't just for your own wealth or your own expression of your idea or your craft or whatever. But you also said, you know what, if my business is successful, then we're also going to employ a lot of people and that's good for everybody. And so you didn't pay somebody a hundred times more than somebody else because the society also wasn't for that. The society would say, what a greedy person. You're Mr. Potter. Remember the old, the old Christmas movie? You know, uh, with, with Grady, Grady, Mr. Potter, 
you know, the reason Mr. Potter is the bad guy is because he's taking everybody's money and he's he is keeping it for himself. He's getting rich rather than realizing that the bank savings and loan in that movie was not just to make the bankers money, but it was for Bedford Falls. It was for the whole town's benefit. See, we've lost that. See, and that's not communism or socialism. That's that's capitalism in its best form where you realize, hey, part of what I'm doing is I'm providing for the building of this community and ultimately the building of the country. That was the vision. It was the vision for building your towns. It was the vision for starting your companies. You know, that is what has changed is that our vision is I can't is whatever I'm going to do now to make myself comfortable. And yeah, I'm going to have employees and I'm going to hire people and it does help the community. But if I can have fewer employees because I have to pay these CEOs, I can't get the best CEO if I don't pay them this much money. That means there's a bunch of people I can no longer hire or create jobs for. See, it's, it is a cultural attitude that has shifted and that's because we don't have wisdom. We've replaced wisdom with print, with being, you know, comfortable in the present. We're not seeking wisdom. We're seeking wealth. We're seeking a lifestyle. We're seeking things that ultimately are about us and not about the Lord. You can be profitable. You can make a whole bunch of money. And, you know, I know there's a lot of a lot of you listening out there who make a lot of money and you give a lot of it away. And I think, you know, don't feel guilty about that. You should give it away. That's one of the reasons God is blessing you with it is so that you can bless others with it. But there is something in our society that has changed. For us as believers, we need to get back to wisdom, to realize that the things that we are doing should be to build up the community and ultimately to realize that in the kingdom of God, everybody's got an eternal destination. That this world is ultimately about, do you accept Christ or not? Because this world is is temporary. All these problems that are on the news, all this crazy stuff— I promise you, nobody listening to this is going to care 100 years from now because we won't be here. Somebody else will deal with those problems, and 100 years from then, those people aren't going to care. But they are going to care, and you're going to care about what you believed spiritually, about what you believed about Jesus Christ. And you're going to care about whether or not you cared enough about that to make that your priority in this life. That's wisdom. That's what we got to do. All right, we'll come back, talk about indictments, and uh, where do we go from here? This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll see you for hour two as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned.